0: So I usually try to have a deal or two on anything I do kind of boiling off to the side so that when you come into the partnership or the alliance or whatever it is, and everybody's been talking about how great it's going to be. Well, then two to three months later, we've brought in two deals yeah. ourselves. We've built up some internal street cred for what we said we and who we said we are. And you all can return it at any time. That's great. That's not why we're talking about this. We're just saying that this is what we thought we saw and it happened and you made money and I made money. Were you okay with it? Okay, Uh, was it like what what I said it was gonna be like? Okay, great. Let's tweak that because we wanna do this over and over and over and over and over to where you can just staff it with somebody.
1: Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out of the box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders, as we reveal behind the scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions, to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest podcast. Let's get started. Daryl Johnson is an innovative, energetic, creative, and very charismatic entrepreneur who has significant success building business inside of companies and out on his own. Currently, he's the president and co-founder of SWAT IT Mobility, a mobile-first tech firm and the owner of Ideation to Valuation, an online learning program for business owners looking to grow faster. Well, isn't that what we all want, to grow faster? SWAT IT Mobility helps companies build out successful data-driven technology, enabled business growth strategies, leveraging digital platforms, mobile application development, data analytics, sales funnel as a service, human capital management, and IoT advisory services. Some of their customers and partners include T-Mobile, Sprint, uh, Cradlepoint, HP, Google, and Mobile Tracker. Ideation to Valuation is a new venture launching Q4 2020 and is aimed at helping growth-hungry business owners launching, transforming, or pivoting their business models, customer segmentations, value propositions, go-to-market strategies, sales processes, delivery models, scaling frameworks, interactions with inventors, business certifications, long-term business valuations, and more. Also, throughout the program, attendees will hear from industry experts, learn from doing, interact with peers, and receive a lot of encouragement along the way as he believes this is the key need of business owners today. Currently, Daryl serves on a board of advisors for several small and medium-sized firms, as well as he mentors several companies annually at no charge. When he's not working, he enjoys spending time with his family and church members, listening to music, watching motorsports racing, whiteboarding new ideas, and helping others achieve their dreams. Well, Daryl, I am so excited to have you on the program. I love all that you're up to. I too uh, love helping people achieve their dreams. So we have something in common there. Welcome to the Deal Quest podcast. Thank you.
0: And I hope that um, anyone who gets to listen, gets some value out of what I have to say, because I, like I said, in Wayne's world, an example, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, folks, Daryl's very modest, but he's got some great achievements, and we'll get to those. But Daryl, I want to take you back before we uh, get to, you know, what you're up to now and how you, you know, the kinds of deals you've done over your career and strategic partnerships and all that kind of stuff. I want to take you back to when you were eight, 10, 12 years old. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Because I guess, you know, for most of us, it wasn't what we're doing now, but who knows, maybe that's not the case with you. What did you want to be when you were a little kid? You know, I had a father who has worked
0: basically at the uh, power company mm-hmm. and a mother who was home with us, but also had always had an entrepreneurial side of something going on as an artist. And so You know, I used to see the rigor that my father would go through to support whatever he was needing to support, because I guess that's why you do that when you're that young, thinking about why do they keep leaving. And my mother, who was doing what she loved and getting paid for, so that always looked like a funner route to me. And so far in my career, I've been able to either get, you know, gainfully employed where I actually really like the work, or they were open to some pivots that I suggest that I actually 100% own, you know, leading, you know, off in that direction, but, you know, bring value and again, turn something that I might not have liked that well to something that I can, that I'm flourishing in. And so I guess an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, you know, somebody who basically owns their own destiny, you know, and is flexible enough to adjust to real life. Cause sometimes, you know, work and life just don't line up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear that. No? I hear that. <laughs> As far back as you can remember, I don't know if there's anything when you're a kid or older, or whatever, what's your first deal of any type? Okay. Oh man, I was addicted. So I had friends, you know, you're, I'm like, I don't know, kids
0: were different when I was growing up. I mean, we used to walk like <laughs> 10 blocks away from our house when we were seven, eight, right, you man. know, definitely not doing that now. But we'd go in the candy store with a group of us and they were always scared to go in. I don't know why, but I would go in. And I would take all their money and get the candy. Except what I negotiated before I go in there is that everything is double. (laughs) So if you don't want to go in here with me, everything in here is double. If it says five cents, it's not five cents. It's 10 cents for you. And maybe they would pay, (laughs) you know, and I felt good and they felt good. (laughs) And I was like, I like this. They're buying my candy.
1: That's what I was going to ask you. I was, I was going to say, did you just keep the extra cash or did you actually leverage the extra oh, cash? It's oh, you no, no, you no. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, and that created a, a bit of behavior
0: that, you know, like now I challenge myself when someone tells me something's going to cost money, I am challenging myself to figure out how they give it to me for free. What piece of value do I need to bring to them? Where do I leverage my network to bring something to them that's valuable so that they feel
1: okay, not charging me to get what I want. I love it so so listen, let's just jump right into that, because what you just said there is you know, I always talk about that some people have the mindset of a deal maker, and, and some people mm-hmm. don't, and it's not it's not something that you you know it's it's something that can be learned, some people are more natural yeah. at it but it's something yeah. can be, right, and what you just said was it was a deal making mindset, right? you know, how can I get someone else to go right how can I call on my contacts so what you what you're alluding to are partnership relationships, strategic alliances, joint venture you know whatever you call oh, yeah. them right? Bring in various people to the table. So, uh, you know, why don't you give us a couple of examples of uh, some of those types of um, arrangements that you put together uh, throughout your career? Man, there's been quite a few because when they're disguised
0: as sales, they look like sales, you you know, but that's just part of the transaction. You know, there was a lot of activity happening before that. And the interesting thing is you keep getting sales. (laughs) sales. <laughs> so you did the deal one time to get the sales all the time, right? But uh, ones that come to mind real quick are where we took a group of partners because we wanted to solve for a problem with uh, K-12. And especially even now with what's going on with COVID and e-learning all over the place, the program would, would be awesome to light it up again. There's an organization called e which Everybody could research, find out quickly that the FCC aggregates money to the federal level, and then schools make petitions against that money. And the people that actually are able to get the money to schools, the amount that they cover for the things they cover, which is the internet and phone and wireless and all kinds of things, depends on how many kids you have on free and reduced lunch. So where you find that higher population of kids on free and reduced lunch is in your urban districts and in your rural districts. And one thing the United States has is a lot of urban districts and a lot of rural districts. And so we would go visit some of these schools prior to putting together the solution, you know, while technology certainly was not, you know, they still have computer labs with five-year-old computers. The fact that building was 80 to five degrees and you got little kids in here, it's like, how are they even paying attention when it's this hot? You know, it'd be better to divert, you know, much of your technology budget, which is your largest part of your budget, say people and buildings is going towards you know stuff that you know is catching you up to 1989 still you know <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um we needed to design a program and that's what we took it upon ourselves to put together a deal where we get all the right partners that solve for this thing in a way that makes it work the way we need it to work and so the way we needed it to work is we needed a school to literally not be able to say no so we came up with a way for the device to be a dollar and we pulled in t-mobile And we worked with their education leadership and got to a payback formula that they would invest in a go-to-market strategy. And they would do 10 on 24. So they would go in and they would give away 10 months to get 24. Mm. So if you can get the number right, you can do some things. And so we introduced the concept of leveraging the connectivity against the E-rate for, I'll say, all the school districts since this is recorded. But uh, it seemed like the urban and rural schools had the most interest in dollar- devices that were brand new right. that all came with all of the software they needed to come with for the school. So the IT guy's not mad that they went, you know, to an e-learning model. All the parents are notified that they will be able to access support for these devices when they come home. The teachers actually got between twelve and sixty hours of professional development. So Polly, who's a math teacher, been doing it for twenty years on a whiteboard, now has to look at a bunch of kids with laptops and figure out how to shoot control her own laptop to control a bunch of kids to teach them math. And we made sure she felt comfortable doing that. That actually was the linchpin in getting the deal done. Partner with a training company to do that for her. But ultimately, we got that partnership stood up. The deal that we negotiated was we leveraged T-Mobile sales team. So we had the national director's choice on what markets to go in, end up picking 13 markets, put together all the marketing, promo, training materials, portals, a bunch of documents, so the T-Mobile sales rep would go to market with this value proposition. They could speak certainly to the connectivity, but they needed one of our team to speak to the actual offer. And together, we did some great things in that space, helped more than that program, helped more than 60,000 kids get technology. You know, that deal also spawned a lot of local deals that we had to negotiate for um, just contracting vehicles to get into the school. We had to renegotiate our banking arrangement because we went from selling like 1,400 devices a year to 25,000. They're all $400 each. You
1: know. Hang on, let to stop you for a moment because there's so sure. much in everything that you said and I want to help break okay. it down for the listeners, right? So okay. let me sort of contrast two alternative approaches because- I often talk about in various episodes of this podcast that you know I I say hey, you know you have organic growth which is sales and marketing and providing great products and services and then you have deal driven grow, growth or inorganic growth. But this is a great example of where and I always say the two are not mutually exclusive and you actually did some of the deal driven part of it to then help, you know, force the sales. And in theory, you could have gone into the schools if you were just coming from a sales, not a deal maker mentality and said, "Hey, you know, we have the solution, right?" And, you know, we want to sell it to you for X price. And you would have been highly unsuccessful from what I gather in this, because first of all, the schools have budget issues, right? (laughs) Second of all, there's all these other other needs that go around the product when they would say, okay, well, who do we use, you know, in terms of a provider? Well, you know, you can go speak to T-Mobile, you can speak to whatever, like, and they got to figure it out on their own. No, you know, the training piece you brought in, right? The, you know, the local contract piece. So, you did a series of deals to put together an offering, like you said, not just to try to sell a product that was a comprehensive solution, which helped you sell that, sol- that solution, that offering much better. And, you know, but what really fueled those sales was a series of deals you did and strategic partners, you know, whatever kind of, you know, it doesn't matter how they were legally structured, but let's call them key partnerships where big and small companies came together to produce a comprehensive offering that was much more attractive to the marketplace, right?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the part that probably, you know, if there's any lore in the industry, because we actually have some lore in the industry, because at that time, collectively, all of the carriers, T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon, and Sprint filing for mobile data, schools filing for the grant to cover their mobile data, all four of them collectively were doing at that time, this is 2012, 2013, maybe 14, 1500 a year amongst them all. And then you have T-Mobile the following year doing double the amount, 2,500. Then they come back with 10,000. Then they come back with like 35,000. Then they come back with almost 40 or 20 thousand. And that's when we started getting calls like, Hey, what are you guys doing? What is this program? And the piece that, that probably made the fire go was the subsidy of the carrier commission being able to pay for most of the stuff. Right. So it isn't like we just we made a whole bunch of money. We didn't make any money hardly. What we did is we made impact. They didn't think anybody would be crazy enough to do all that stuff and make, you know, 20, 30 bucks a rip when you could have made technically hundreds. But we wouldn't have had the value and the impact. And some of the faces of the parents, you know, that feel, you know, you get the impression that they think their child is now going to make it in life because they got one of these devices. Wow. I mean, that's some of the stuff you see. And when you see that, there's no way well, we're going to try to make
1: money. I mean, we're just trying to make these families better off. And that's kind of how we did it, you know? I love that. And listen, everything you did, all the deal strategies, et cetera, you know, could also be used for things that are more financially lucrative as well. And I don't think financially lucrative and impact are necessarily mutually exclusive. But in this case, yeah, in this particular case, you would focus even more on the impact. And I got to tell you something, connectivity, I mean, you know, we're seeing it now during, you know, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 where, you know, all these kids are getting homeschooled and there's a real disparity amongst, yeah. uh, you know, and again, in the in the urban and rural spaces where connectivity yeah. is still, you know, an issue and they're not in the school buildings. And, you know, I, stories I know people who, you know, are like sitting outside, their kids are sitting outside McDonald's trying to get yeah. their, or the know, library. Their homework done yeah. or the library yeah. or Starbucks or whatever, yeah. try, you know, trying to get Wi-Fi, you know. So yeah. it's it's so important. It's so important. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to join our DealQuest community group on Facebook. There, you'll have a chance to engage with other entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and leaders who are looking to grow, do deals, and make a bigger impact. In addition to the great content and community, you can also register there for our Conversations, Community, and Cocktail Zoom calls and the upcoming Deal Den Zoom calls during which you will have the opportunity to brainstorm and get support with deal-driven growth for your company. Now back to the show. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, in this example or any other ones you did, like, what is it, you know, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces in a complex deal like that. We'll bring you all the parties to the table. And um, what are some of the things you think about when you try to piece together something like that in terms of how you get it together, how you get everybody to work together, it's easy. I follow this process. If anything, it
0: errs on being too conservative, but at this point in life I'm okay with that. The first thing is the relationship. So, usually I'm trying to understand and I'm I even ask if we're not getting there, we're not getting there, what kind of relationship are you open to having right now with the, you know, in general and with this project that we we're starting to talk about? Mm -hmm. What kind of, you know, am I going to be a transactional relationship, a strategic relationship? Where are you at in your five? You got room in your five or am I not going to be in your five? I'm okay with whatever the answer is. I just need to understand right here at the beginning before I do or think or drive any me myself or any of our team towards anything. Where are we at with that? Right. And there's no, again, there's no wrong answer. It's more about just taking the temperature. Right. That's one. Then two, what is the budget? If the budget doesn't sound right or, you know, then we have at least an opportunity to kind of pull over and talk about who told everybody that this was enough money. And then from there, it's effectively, we are trying to solve for something. And sometimes this one goes first because it depends on what it is sometimes. But
1: sure. what are
0: we trying to solve for? What's the question we're trying to answer? What is the thing we're trying to solve for? And if we solve it, what happens? Trying to understand the actual value impact of whatever it is that we're trying to do. And then, as it relates to the money and how everything's going to flow between us, you know, how did we all envision getting this deal done? What was our, how did you think we were going to contract to take this down? Yeah. You know, and I like to think about that last. Yep. And usually at the end of that, either there's someone still standing, right? Yeah. Which is great. Or I've got a whole lot of time back.
1: Right. Right, right. And if it's right, then, you know, yeah, then people are still there. And then then talk a little bit about, you know, because this is another difference in my mind between some salespeople, because I'm not, you know, I don't want to say anything, there are great salespeople out there, but certainly transactional salespeople who make the sale and then walk away as opposed to relationship-based, right, and education-based salespeople. But, you know, certainly in a deal... You know, I think one of the things that distinguishes a deal is that it's not just a sale. It's an ongoing relationship that sometimes, you know, evolves and changes. and It's roadblocks and things like that. So talk to me about how you continue to maintain and nurture and, you know, keep those relationships uh, healthy and and, and those partnerships working. Well, I think the first thing is, and
0: it may not have been probably highlighted, but the reason any of us are talking is because there's even a larger strategy at play even without this opportunity that's before us right now. Yes. The reason they're there is because there's much more reason for you to be here than just this deal. Right. We're just trying to make, some of them are on an interview, see how they, how it all works out. Right. But the ones that are strategic are to me has, have a functional fit. So value for value, we're in this. There's nobody that's really getting paid that is not providing any value. First, so there's first like a real come to Jesus on where is the value, because that's also where the equity distribution should also be thought through. And then who's taking risk and what kind and how, you know, and what is it costing you? And we all know this, right? Doesn't mean anybody's going to change any money. We're just saying that's what comes with that square, you know? And then for a lack of better things, you've tried to force a deal to happen. Just make one happen because that's the best time to tie up all this conversation, make a deal happen. I usually try to have a deal or two on anything I do kind of boiling off to the side so that when you come into the partnership or the alliance or whatever it is, and everybody's been talking about how great it's going to be. Well, then two to three months later, we've brought in two deals ourselves. We've built up some internal street cred for what we said we and who we said we are. And you all can return it at any time. That's great. That's not why we're, talking about this we're just saying that this is what we thought we saw and it happened and you made money and i made money were you okay with it okay Uh, was it like what you what i said it was going to be like okay great let's tweak that because we want to do this over and over and over and over and over to where you can just staff it with somebody
1: Yes. yes you know
0: you know and you just again manage that relationship but the value equation that we put together that we made is what really is selling this deal you could take my name out and your name out, and this company out and that company out, put two other companies that provide the same kind of value that the other one doesn't in a way that co- makes sure they complement one another. There's some art in finding that, but it's just a value fit to the market. I think that's the, the other part is do you have value? And who told you you do? And, have, and was it enough of them
1: with money? So, the other right? So, that the piece you said right before that that I hear you saying is that. You know, if you're doing, and I talk about this a little bit in other contexts as well, is that, you know, one of the things you're doing in some of these deals is that you're sort of, you know, you're sort of building a model that's repeatable, scalable of how yeah. you do these, yeah. you know, how you create these relationships. Sustainable. The last yeah. One. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sustainable and you know, yeah, and repeatable. This is great because too many people on deals, on sales, uh, you know, on everything, uh, just do one off. And they don't, you know, what it takes really to be a successful deal maker on an ongoing basis is to you know have a vision for what you're creating and how you're doing it and creating the model to have that happen so that you can yeah. you know leverage you know because there's a lot of upfront work in creating these structures and oh, you know, finding what works and all that kind of stuff oh. whatever. So so why not use it over and over again if once yeah. you've created it and figure out how yeah. it works. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is even in
0: like pulling these things together, again, you really have to like the person. Whoever the person is, you kind of really want to like them because you're going to, this is going to be a thing. Like this is going to, you know, we were with that on that project we did with T-Mobile. We were embedded with about 15 to 20 people for about 24 months daily. Wow. I mean daily (laughs) because the growth was like a rocket ship, right? And so you, it requires that. Well, if you don't establish that these folks are genuine and you can have a good conversation with them and now we're trying to fix the bus while we're going down the road fast, man, that makes the deals nightmares. You know, what I was gonna also say on the sales side is I think one of the ways I try to think about things turn sales into, into a kind of a deal, still a big sale, is how do I hit my number? Whatever, where I used to say this in my quotas, How do I hit my number with one sale? I know everybody else is selling 25 deals a year to get there. How do you just do it in one? And that has always driven between how do I do it in one and who has these customers already that I need to get to? Yes. Who's got a door that if I knock on it, it literally opens up into that building in the right department and then map back to my value equation plus them and what does that look like together? And then how do I tweak mine to sharpen their saw? I know what I want.
1: Right. You know, Daryl, <laughs> th- th- that is such a, I mean, Quest listeners know that I have brought this up, you know, repeatedly on the podcast because I think it's so crucial. And it's amazing to me how underutilized it is. You know, I talk to companies sometimes that I'm, you know, whether they're clients of mine on the law firm side or doing, you know, some of my DealQuest programs or, you know, or, or just uh, mentoring them, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the friends, you know, they may hit a wall or, you know, uh, sales have leveled off or maybe even, you know, they're dropping and they're having trouble just, you know, getting in to different markets. Mm. And I'll ask them that simple question, you know, well, how are you doing that? Well, you know, we're reaching out to people, we're trying to do, you know, whatever it is, uh, online, you know, marketing, cold call, blah, blah, whatever. It and I say to them, well, who else is in the, you know, who has access to those customers? Have you reached out to them? And so often the answer is, uh, no, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what do you, somebody who, ha, who is, you know, in front of these customers all the time, who has a complimentary, you know, at least not conflicting and maybe, you know, even more ideally complimentary product that if you cut a deal with them, you know, you're going to stop banging your head against the wall. And it's amazing how often, you know, companies don't realize that very fundamental kind of deal. It, and make it, it I think you have to have
0: just a whole lot of audacity. You know, it seems like that kind of thinking helps you get out the box. If you, you know, because sometimes you, like when I was doing that stuff with schools, we'd have some leftover budget. And so we would ask the teachers or the or the e-learning leader, like, what else can we help with? Where else can we make an investment of whatever? Where else can we make an investment? We'd say something like that. And they would say like, well, maybe you can get us six more boxes of pencils. Like, <laughs> okay, sprinkle some audacity. Just pretend like you can just aim for the ridiculous. You think maybe... And some paper, like, oh, my Lord. Like, how do we teach folks to just have more audacity? People are smart. They're going to tell you no if it's something they don't want to do. Right? No, it's okay. But these models now, you might stumble across Uber or the next models are coming out of having some audacity just to ask for the mildly ridiculous. You might find that that's helping somebody else out.
1: So what you're saying, Daryl, is that you have to be that kid who's willing to go into the candy store. (laughs) <laughs> Yo, man. Yeah, man.
0: And you know what, Corey, I just want to see what's inside. You know, I was already going in whether I had no money. You know, in fact, more times than not, I had no money. Right. So that's what the motivation for me also was. Is I have no money and I want candy. Hmm. You have money and you don't want to go in the store. This is easy.
1: <laughs> I love it. but but you know i mean i said that in a joking way but it really is you know as far as the mentality mm. whether it's you mm-hmm. know, in the candy store you know or you know these these bigger strategic alliances and deals we're talking about it's that same mentality it's that i'm gonna make it happen i'm gonna figure out a way i'm gonna yeah. bring people together yeah. i'm gonna you know yeah. yeah provide value we described the two companies you're involved in you know pretty extensively in the in the bio, and I think a lot of what uh, we've given examples are is related to some of the IT mobility uh, right, stuff yeah. that you're doing. Yeah. But you also have this, uh, so if you want to say anything more about that side, so feel free, but you, you also have this ideation to valuation, new venture launch, and I definitely want uh, you to give an opportunity to talk about that one as well.
0: Yeah. You know, Corey, I don't do a lot of podcasts, you know,
1: mm-hmm. honestly.
0: I think you're my, I'll say second or third, and I don't know if the other two will get out of, the small town they're in, right? I don't know. Yep. But you're prime time. And I guess I'm going to give you an exclusive, Corey. Okay? <laughs> I'm give you the exclusive. I can't stop myself from helping people. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I've tried. I'm older. You know, when you get older, you say you're setting your ways. I must be. I can't. I'm addicted to helping people. I'm addicted to helping people. And the only people that call me for help are coming from people that know me well, and know that if it came from them, I'm a lookout for them. just yes. like if you sent me somebody, I'm not just going to give them two minutes and see you later down the road. It came from you, so it's a reflection of my relationship with you that they're benefiting from, right? Yes. It just so happens that you know not too many people don't send them that, that, that are that way, right? You know, four, I'd say conservatively four or five people help them with their model, go to market strategy, sometimes their sales processes are all jacked up. They don't even get close to mirroring the, the customer's sales process. They don't have a delivery methodology. You know, so I usually run through this kind of, I'm a process person, so I kind of run through this process every time. It's the same every time. And so one day I was talking to one of my mentors and he was like, what are you actually saying to people? Like, if I just walk, you know, why does it take so long? And I'm like, well, I just don't want to shortchange anybody. But, to, you know, to me, it matters what their customer segment is to me and their value proposition and do they align you know it those things matter to the customer as well right so i said if i could just take all that and put it online and then give somebody like access to it that would be great because i'd get some time back (laughs) right you know not only would i get time back but i'd be able to help in a better way go through these modules whatever right and so that was a thought maybe six months ago now it's an online course with a mentoring program that's going to launch a national mentoring program. And there's going to be also a, you know, there's on the site, it's got some pretty chilling statistics, if you're trying to be a business owner, especially if you have employees. But there's also, you know, encouragement in those numbers, too. There's yeah, everybody didn't die, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, right. you know, so you know, and those people that didn't are trying to grow. And so you can do a whole lot of no, one of the things we look at is motion. Like literally you physically, how much motion do you have to go through to make the money you do? If you've got to go through a whole lot of motion, I don't know. There's, there might be some tweaks you can do to your model. There might be time to look at innovating in a different way with your existing customers. I don't know. If you got to do all that motion,
1: people are automating motion at this point. Your yeah. competitors are probably not going through that much motion to deliver value. And that was a trend that was happening Pre-COVID, that's just the way business is going. And now, when people you know, aren't meeting in person anymore, it's only been excellent That's for sure. Yeah. And so this is out of a desire to
0: help. You know, that's it's. I now have turned it into courses, so I don't have a total date, but Q4 I'm looking to launch. I have some businesses that have know me and know me well. I've been mentoring them for a while. They're going to do some testimonials for me. Yep. Just to you know. Not take it from me, you know, and and really, to be honest with you, I don't even know how many people are going to know it's me. I'm kind of irrelevant to the fact of whatever you get from the courses. Thing is, you know, this is a tool and a resource for the people that don't know. I'm trying to figure out a way to make sure they don't have to pay or that I leak a promo code, (laughs) you know, and people that will Google for two seconds will find it, you know. But the corporations and the organizations that I'm affiliated with that are looking to level up their Small business supply chain folks—they yes. really like it, and yes. that's where I think I may be able to monetize. So I'm still figuring it out. The impetus and desire was to get something out that will help people. That's my goal.
1: Great. Where do people go if they want to see more about that? What's the URL? It,
0: go to www.ideationtovaluation.com. 2 valuation Com, and that's a T-O in the middle
1: there. Excellent. Ideation2Valuation.com. And if people want to find out more about you, you know, in general, uh, are there other social media sites, uh, Um, any other contact information you want to give? I am a super duper, I'm probably like a, you know, they got
0: super fans of software applications. I'm probably up there as a super fan of LinkedIn. Yeah. I saw early on, and I think it was like 2010, I stopped, I think we talked about this, I stopped taking random people's, if I don't know you, you're not in my LinkedIn. Yep. Um Because I said to myself, like, this is 2010. I can keep all of my contacts in my phone. Okay. <laughs> or I can make LinkedIn my contact list. If I make LinkedIn my contact list, I won't lose all my contacts again. And I'll have a heck of a lot more data on every one in my contacts. Yeah. Because LinkedIn is my contact. Right. And so... Find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best, fast, quickest way to get to me. All
1: right. And folks, so that's, uh, you'll see it in the show notes, but uh, that's D-A-R-Y-L-E Johnson on LinkedIn. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that if somebody mentions that they heard you on the podcast and they're not looking to just be transactional and sell you, that's somebody that you'd be willing to, to, oh, to talk absolutely. to and, and connect absolutely. with. Absolutely. Right. Anybody who comes from this
0: show, I'm absolutely honored to connect with. Awesome. 100%. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. All right. So that's great. So my last question on the podcast is always about my highest ideal, which is freedom. That's my highest value in life. And for me, it means everything from, uh, you know, freedom for all people, from oppression and uh, discrimination to the reason I'm an entrepreneur, right? I'm unemployable, quote unquote, right? because I want to do it, you know, in my vision, the way I want to do it. I'm super collaborative. I'll bring people in, you know, but I want to, I want to be a, You know, that's what it means to me. What does freedom mean to you and and how does it impact your business and life? First of all, being
0: able to get to the
1: mindset first
0: that you are free. Yes. That was hard and is hard every day. Yes. But if you also realize that, like for me, I'm willing to stake my whole existence on the direction I'm trying to go, I'm willing to die at the computer doing it. That's how all in I am on what I do. And so if I can't do that, I'm not free. Yeah. And where I can't do that, I'm not free. And I try to only stay involved in things that I'm free because I'm just not a good employee at that point, <laughs> or I'm not a good partner, or I'm just, I don't know. I just, it feels like walking backwards when yeah. you know you should be going forward. How long do you really want to do that? You know? So, I'm measured three times, cut once to make sure most of my deals I can, I can live in that freedom that you're
1: describing. I love that. Daryl Johnson, thank you so much for being a great guest on the Deal Quest podcast. Wow. Thank you, Corey. Nope. I, again, I hope I'm very honored to have, be
0: on, on the program. So, I greatly appreciate you.
1: Totally great to have you. And uh, until next week, uh, folks, talk to you soon and uh, appreciate you being on, Daryl. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. You can be a friend of the show by leaving a review on the Good Pods app, podchaser.com, or any major podcast player. Every review helps the show reach more listeners. If you're ready to take your deal-making to the next level by becoming a master negotiator, head over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of my best-selling book, Authentic Negotiating. Then connect with me on LinkedIn, and let me know your thoughts. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.